Hello and welcome to the YSPN two-parter episode all about the Kakahashi Project, which is a 10-ish day travel program fully funded by the government that brings groups of Americans to Japan to learn about culture, food, heritage, foliage, land, history, sports, politics, and making lasting new connections and lifelong memories on the trip. My name is Sachi, one of your YSPN hosts and excited participant in this year's March 2023 Kakahashi trip. And I am joined today by fellow YSPN host Matt. Hi, everyone. And Michelle. Hello. To talk about the program, how to apply, what to expect, how to pack, and why you, you listening to this, should strongly consider applying to Kakahashi. Okay, let's go. We are recording all of this the day before I leave for my trip. Um, I'll be hopping on a plane out of San Diego in about 12 hours, so definitely stay tuned for the enthralling part two when I am back from the Kakahashi trip and I can tell you all about it. So we're going to start with some intros with Matt and Michelle. Can you guys tell us what your connection is to the Kakahashi program? I was a participant on the Kakahashi project trip in December of 2019. And I think that might have been the last trip or one of the last trips before the pandemic. Uh, And this is actually where I first met Matt, kind of. We didn't interact that much. Um, We were in different groups, or actually Matt was a a chaperone and leading. But um, I'll let let you say more about that, Matt. Yeah, sure. So like Michelle said, uh, we went in the December 2019 trip. Um, There actually was a trip in February 2020, but they had to deal with COVID. So their trip was completely different from ours. But um, like Michelle also said, I was a chaperone on the trip. That was through my work at JACL. Got to meet Michelle a little bit, but also got to meet a lot of other amazing people who I still keep in contact today. This is where I also met Hiro, who introduced me to Nikkei Rising and the Onsei podcast. So it really feels like a full circle interaction. Past Nikkei Rising member Amy Kubo also went on that trip with us. So there was a small little Nikkei Rising group that got to all meet each other before we actually formed Nikkei Rising. Kakahashi literally means making bridges. It's very fitting, and it's an exciting program that we've done since 2014. And actually, we did the numbers, and I think either this trip that Sachi's going on or the next trip, will actually have we will have taken over 1,000 people. So we're really excited um, that we're we'll able to do this and actually going to celebrate 10 years next year. So it's a perfect time to hit that thousand number and celebrate 10 years. Wow, big year. So who specifically can apply to this? Yes. So normally the age is 18 to 25. Uh, Because of COVID this year, their age got upgraded to 27. We will see how long that stays in effect. We don't know. On average, if you're 18 to 25, you can reasonably expect to go on the program. And my understanding is they like to take people who've never been to Japan before? Yes. So majority of folks who go on Kakahashi have never been in Japan. So myself, I never got to go. Um, I know a lot of participants my year as well as this year have never been. Um, But that doesn't mean if you've been to Japan that you can't go. Uh, They're just really looking for people who have not spent a long period of time. I had been to Japan once before when I think was I was five years old. And then mm-hmm. I think a lot of um, other people on my trip had been maybe once or twice before, but yet not for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. And how long is the trip usually? It's about 10-ish days. 
accounting for travel and also the time difference between here and Japan. How much does it cost? It is completely free. That's the whole point of this trip is it's a way to send students and young adults back to Japan without that barrier of cost because obviously between flights and hotels and all that it can be very expensive. The only time you have to spend money is if you want souvenirs or like what we did was every night we went to 7-Eleven and bought snacks. So that was really the only time we had to actually pull out our wallets and spend money. That's awesome. How is it funded? Yeah, so it is sponsored by the Japanese government through the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. So it's a program that they do not only with us, but actually worldwide. There's different versions of it, um, bringing people from across Asia, across Europe, across North America, South America, Pacific Islands. And it's just, yeah, it's just government funding. And that's why we are able to do this at no cost for the students. This particular trip that I'm going on and that you and Michelle and a couple of our other Nikkei Rising members have gone on is a particular Kakahashi trip. But there are others, right? Mm -hmm. Because they have a bigger goal of bringing people to Japan, whether or not you are of Japanese ancestry. My friend who is not of Japanese descent was really interested in, in going and was um, hasn't gone, but has looked into options to go um, through other venues and not necessarily through the JACL. Um, but there are definitely other trips available, especially for other Asian Americans. Um, and like Matt said, uh, globally as well. Yeah, it's such a cool program. Like, yeah, just that such a thing exists and on such a large scale is amazing and definitely something that I encourage people to take advantage of. I am a fourth generation Japanese American on my dad's side. My great grandparents came over in like the late 1800s. Um, and my family has experienced a lot of the Japanese American historical events that have gone on since then. And me and my siblings experienced that generational detachment after World War II that meant my dad didn't grow up knowing a lot about our Japanese culture or language or anything like that and had not that much to pass down to us. Um, so it's kind of been a personal journey to find my way back to the side of my identity. It feels like it really is time for me to get to have this experience and to meet lots of other people either in my situation or also with Japanese background, because I feel like I'm always trying to expand that community for myself. So I'm really excited. I'm really excited for all the friends I'm going to make and um, all the stories I'm going to get to hear and share. I'm really excited for you. I, I had uh, learned about the program right after college. So right after I graduated, I had interned with Nikkei Community Internship. Um, there's a few different locations for that um, based around uh, most of the Japantowns in California. So like Little Tokyo, San Francisco, Japantown, San Jose, Japantown. And a lot of other people that were in my internship cohort had told me about the Kakahashi Project. Um, and I'd never heard about it before, but once I heard that it was a, you know, a free trip to Japan just and to be able to um, experience that with other young Japanese Americans, I was sold. So I was glad to then be able to apply for um, that December trip. I think that was the following year. And yeah, I, I'm also Yonsei fourth generation. And I had been to Japan, Japan once, but I was you know four or five years old and I really wasn't old enough to be able to remember it and remember the experience of being there. I went actually with my my whole side of my mom's family and there are about 10 of us that went but I felt like it I really 
missed out on the chance to have lasting memories, but also be able to go with people and, and an open mind of understanding my culture and kind of where my ancestors came from. So it was a way for me to travel with a different lens, not just for vacation or for leisure, but as an educational experience as well. I had always planned to go on Kagashi. I had known about it since um, since I got to college uh, and knew plenty of people at USC um, and outside of USC too who had been on the trip. And it was always a goal of mine. Fate has a funny way of showing up. So I ended up working at JCL. And because of that, uh, that is why I got to be a chaperone. And actually, I love saying this, I was the youngest chaperone we've ever had uh, because you're supposed to be 26 to be a chaperone. I went when I was 22, um, which made it even more special because I got to go with so many people who are already my age. And like I said, I went with my friends. I'm actually Gosei fifth generation, so my family's even further removed from uh, Japan. Uh, my The last person to go was my grandpa, but that was when he was in his 20s. Um, when he was actually a Marine, he was stationed there. So none of our family had been back in since the 1950s, probably. So it was really special to be able to go back. Uh, and I think like Michelle said, it was a chance to be able to do things that you wouldn't normally do if you were a tourist in Japan, um, because I mean, A, you get to fly and stay in places for free, but also you're getting to do experiences and meet people that you wouldn't normally otherwise. Like these, this is one of those things where you get to go off the beaten path and experience things that no one else would. Before I'd gone, I'd like never thought about going to Nagoya or Fukui really. I mean, Nagoya, maybe the city castle, um, but I never really knew much about Fukui and getting to experience that and learning about all that that prefecture has and the history that it has, I want to go back again. Like It was so much fun being there. And it's someplace that, unless you knew what was there, you'd never really think about it. And I think that's what's so special about some of these trips is you get to learn and, and explore these places that you might not otherwise. Um, although, Sachi, I'm very jealous of this trip because y'all, are you in the Okinawa group or the Gifu group? I'm in the Gifu group. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really, je- I'm really jealous of the Okinawa group this year. Uh, that seems really exciting and really fun. But I mean, you should be again, jealous. I was jealous too. Not. I want to see that group. But, but I am going to Nagoya as part of mine. Oh, okay. Yeah, Nagoya's, Nagoya was amazing and fantastic. Also the best hotel we stayed in the entire time. Um, so I hope you get to go there again because it's a really nice hotel. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I just wanted to touch on some of the stuff you guys have already talked about. Like, I think there's something so special about traveling in a group of young adults like this um, versus traveling with your family because the way you experience is really different. So I'm very excited for everything that's about to come. Let's talk about how to apply. It's super simple. Uh, You go online to jcl.org slash kakahashi and fill out the application there. It's just some basic demographic things, name, email, that sort of stuff. But there is essays and you talk about like your experience with Japan and being Japanese American. So it's super simple. Shouldn't take you more than maybe 30 minutes to an hour. We review it over at JCL and then we let uh, folks know if they got in or not. Anyone who's also adopted by a Japanese American family and raised as Japanese American is also eligible to apply because we recognize you might not be Japanese by ethnicity, but you are, as far as anyone else is concerned, born and raised Japanese. And you are more than welcome on this trip too. Does it matter if you're a member of the JACL? No, it does not. Uh, So some programs we have are, but because this one is funded by the Japanese government, we don't make it a requirement for you to be a JACL member. However, if you attend, you do get a free JACL membership afterwards. 
Do you know how many applied this year and how many got in? Uh, we had about 150 applicants this year uh, for the December group that Michelle and I went on. Um, we had a little over 200. But this year is different in that is a lot less people. So this trip is only 37, which is extremely small for a Kakahashi trip uh, because our group in December 19 actually was 92. And is there normally multiple trips in a year? I know think COVID has kind of made it the scheduling weird. Yeah, so it's changed a little bit over the years, um, but I think they sort of schedule on the calendar of like the winter, so usually sometime in December, and then uh, again in the spring, uh, or late winter, early spring, um, somewhere around February, March. So you've applied, you've gotten in, you're excited. Next step is that you go through a series of orientations leading mm-hmm. up to the trip itself. Um, I've just gone through these, and they have been very helpful because there's a lot of people who are excited and don't know what's happening or what to do. They go through your itinerary and sort of what traveling group you're with for your homestays, knowledge about Japan material, as well as presentations. For example, Matt just gave a presentation (laughs) for us about the history of uh, Japanese Americans, which was a really great presentation. (laughs) And I think anyone of Japanese ancestry, anyone who's interested should find a way to like stuff and then all the chaperones have been hopping on the calls with us to answer all of our questions about logistics and getting to the airport and who to meet up with when you get there so honestly i feel very well taken care of and like like even though i'm not in control of anything i know what to expect when i hop on tomorrow when you do apply make sure you also if you don't have a passport have already applied for one or if you need to renew it make sure you renew it before you apply because otherwise if you do it afterwards it's already too late (laughs) Yeah, that's a big one. The timeline is a, well, it was a little bit condensed. I don't know if that's Mm -hmm. always the case, but they want you to make sure your passport is valid for a certain amount of time Mm -hmm. or else they can't let you go. So plane tickets, like we mentioned before, everything about the trip is paid for, including your tickets. So uh, some of the people will work with you to figure out the best airport to fly out of and they, they book it for you and then just send you kind of a PDF or something. This year is the first time they've gone completely digital with it. Yes. So there's a little bit of confusion on our end about how to actually get our tickets, but there's like an app and some COVID stuff that you have to go to. And then the hope is that when we get to the airport tomorrow, everyone can get on their planes. Yes, mm-hmm. it is definitely different from uh, this year from previous years because A, in the past, uh, we used to fly as a group. So yes. we would meet yeah. at different airports. Um, this year, y'all are going from wherever you are. So it's a little, <laughs> I feel like a little scarier, but um, everything is taken care of. And obviously, JCL staff are on, JCL and JICE staff are on hand um, to help with any situations that arise. So then we can talk about what to expect for the itinerary. This trip, we are meeting up in Tokyo and doing some like orientation stuff in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of scheduled talks and meet and greets for us. And then we're heading off to our respective homestay, like smaller group stuff. And then we are uh, coming back to Tokyo for the last part of the trip and doing some more stuff there. So we also started in Tokyo and had orientation days. And then my group split off and went to Fukushima Prefecture. We went to Kitakata area too, um, which is known for the Kitakata ramen and there's tons of different ramens but and we did a homestay it's my host family was primarily just a mom and a, and a dad and they, they um 
they were also musical, so we played musical instruments with them. They cooked for us every night. They cooked Korean-Japanese fusion food. It was so, so good. <laughs> it was probably one of the highlights of the trip was just being able to, like Matt said, like get off the beaten path and experience something that you wouldn't normally as a tourist. We also did a sake tasting, which <laughs> was very fun. And we also did um, a stay at the onsen uh, resort, which was very fun. And so that's usually that normal schedule of arriving Tokyo, spending the first day there, um, and then you travel off for a few days, and then you return the last day because we can talk about a little bit later too, but there is technically a project and presentation that you have to do as part of the trip, but it's super easy, super simple. One of the very first things that all the groups do is get to go see the uh, Japanese or the, the Nikkei Diaspora Museum in Tokyo, which is super, it's super informative and super amazing just to see how, how in Japan they talk about Japanese diaspora, not only to the United States, but to other parts of the world. And even if you aren't on Kakahashi, that's a place I recommend visiting. Yeah, so we got to take uh, the Shinkansen to Nagoya later that day um, and spend our day in Nagoya talking to university students um, just about some of their experiences in Japan, but also we shared with them Japanese American history um, and what it's like growing up Japanese out here. And then hopped in a bus, drove up to Fukui, and then there um, got to visit the local government, um, some of the gardens in the city, got to visit Eheji Temple, one of the oldest temples in Japan that's, I think, almost a thousand years old, if not older, do some meditation in the chipmunks' chambers with them. One group, all the girls got to meet up and actually make like bento boxes together, like a volunteer event for them. And then we got to meet some of the boys and they were out like at a farmhouse um, building bird houses for like their, uh, with their homestay family there. We also went to Yokohama and mm -hmm. spent some time there. And there was actually a Christmas market uh, there. Oh yeah. It was interesting to see Christmas in Japan is definitely different than, mm -hmm. um, than what I'm used to. What is this final project? The show can go into more detail because she actually had to do the project. But basically, it's just a way that uh, the Japanese government and the Ministry of Foreign Affairs can see that you actually took something away from this trip. So it's just a really simple presentation, maybe like five to 10 minutes, just talking about what you've learned and what you've experienced during the course of your trip and how you're going to take that back with you to the US. You don't do it by yourself. You are in a group, so you don't have mm -hmm. to do it by yourself. And we do give you actual time on the trip to work on it. You talk about what you want to do in the community afterwards and like being a bigger part of the Japanese American community. And I think a lot of people who go on Kakahashi actually are. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people from my trip, like I mentioned, are part of Nikkei Rising, like Michelle yeah. and like Hido and Amy. A lot of people also ended up becoming a part of JCL. Mm -hmm. A lot of our National Youth Student Council members, actually two or three of them currently, some of them went on my trip with uh, me and Michelle, but also some of them went on other trips, uh, both before and afterwards. I think it is a really good motivator to get back involved with the community. And some bigger things have actually come out of it too. Uh, if anyone knows the clothing brand Akashikama, Alec Nakashima, who, who runs it, he got the idea yeah. because of Kakahashi. And that's where that was actually his whole, the, the impetus of that whole brand was Kakahashi for him. He got wow. to make the connections while he was there and grow it from that. So, I definitely got more involved with the Japanese American community after returning from Kakahashi. I mean, it was a very odd time because we were starting uh, the pandemic yes um, but that's that's where Nikkei Rising started and that's where Yonsei podcast started that's again where I met Hiro who you know convinced me to join so um, definitely feel like I, I was able to make connections on the trip that then lasted beyond the the time of the trip 
Last thing I wanted to talk about uh, was packing, particularly if there was anything surprising about it, because like a week ago, I got a message that I needed to bring an apron for some cooking thing. And I was like, okay, I need to buy an apron for this. An umbrella. I had to buy an umbrella. I got a couple hundred dollars in yen to bring with me. And the electrical plugs are two-pronged instead of three-pronged. So Mm -hmm. bring an adapter if you have three-pronged things. But yeah, were there anything like surprising or that you would recommend that people know to bring? Uh, Maybe like omiyage, like bring gifts for your host family. Take with you business casual and at least one day Mm -hmm. of like business professional wear. Medicine, I will say because Japan has different laws, there are some medicines here that are pretty common that are not legal in Japan, Mm -hmm. but there's some pretty common ones. Like actually a lot of acne medication is legal over there for some reason as well as some ADHD medications. So but actually, I think this is the first year they told us to get specific things, uh, depending on where you're going. So that's a little newer. Mm-hmm. Um, I know like the Okinawa group actually was told to bring sandals. Like they, mm-hmm. like they told them, like, make sure you have sandals with you, which is interesting because we never do that. Any words of wisdom you have for me, because I'm going on my trip tomorrow. <laughs> have fun. Be open to just connecting with all of your other participants. You'll learn, I think, a lot from the people that you're with as you experience the trip together. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of like bus ride conversations were some of my favorite moments too, just getting to know people better and bonding. And I have, like, I guess, advice, not necessarily for you, but if you're like thinking about <laughs> applying to the program, like one, like spend some time on some of those application questions because as Matt said, not everyone will get in mm-hmm. um, or get accepted for trip but if you don't get accepted you know try again because there there are many trips that um you can continue to apply to and my friend didn't make it on the trip that I went on but she made it on the the next one so you know keep keep trying if you want to go then like there's an opportunity for you one of my best friends applied actually for the trip before I started working uh and didn't get in but when she applied for the trip I was running, I didn't grade her thing, but she actually ended up getting the highest score out of everyone on that trip. But for you, Sachi, just yeah, have fun, take plenty of pictures. I think I have my. I looked at my album, and I think it's like over a thousand photos just from Kagashi. <laughs> it was super great just talking to people on the bus. Like Michelle said, like you spend like good one to two hours on the bus uh, mm-hmm. throughout the day, so it's a nice chance to get to meet each other, talk to each other. And yeah, if you get time at night or if you get free time, just go exploring. I mean, we stayed, like, some of the hotels were next to castles, and we got to explore the castles. One night, we just hung out in the rain. There was a temple next door, so we went and got, I don't remember the name of them, but we got, like, our fortunes from the temple, like, in the pouring rain. Ooh. And then wow. we were playing on the swing sets because there was a playground nearby. Just enjoy it and have fun. And also because you're going to Gifu, talk to your chaperone, Bridget, because she is my best friend at work. Uh, and she's super sweet so have fun with her and I'm sure she'd love to get to know you too all right thank you guys I'm so excited to go and for everyone listening hopefully um, this gets you excited to apply or even just planning our own trip to Japan so thank you so much Michelle and Matt for joining me today and everyone come back for part two